Hey, welcome back to the Heaven Here Now podcast, where some former pastors and their friends gather with people from all across the religious and spiritual spectrum to talk about this radical hope that maybe heaven could be more than just something that we experience one day far away. Instead, it could be something that we have both the power and the responsibility to help create here and now. I'm Jesse Dukes, one of your hosts, and on today's episode, we bring back a good friend of ours, Shelby Barker, who helped us found The Gathering People. We looked together at a research article put out by the Pew Research Center that models the last 50 years of Christian faith and takes a look at the next 50. Over the past 50 years, Christianity has fallen from about 90% of Americans identifying as Christian to now about 64. And the model continues to show that over the next 50 years, Christianity may fall to lower than 50% of our population. In our episode today, we think back about what really causes this trend. What's the story behind it? And what are the things that we see shaping the future of faith in America? If you're a pastor or a faith leader or just somebody that cares about the future of Christianity, I think this is a great listen for you, and we hope you enjoy it. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Heaven Here Now podcast. Back with an old friend, Mr. Shelby Barker. Welcome back. Welcome back, sir. In the meantime, you've been off gallivanting, uh, recording your own mini podcast episodes, right? That's true. Yes, uh, I am on uh, loan from the Untold podcast here to join you all. Uh, so if you uh, want to check out another fun history podcast, go check out the Untold podcast. I really love y'all's TikToks. Yeah, Thank you guys you. kill it on TikTok. Like, Who? I'll be like, Brooks, come here, come watch this. Like, it's that interesting to me. Did you see Grant's where he dressed up in like a suit and did the, the news anchor This end, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was so funny. I commented on that one. That was yeah. cool. Yes, quite yeah. fun. It's hard for me to listen to a lot of history, but I can take it in nuggets like that. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Okay, bye. Okay. All right. Well, normally I hate what you do, but sometimes I like it. <laughs> no, not what he does, just like his like learning. History in general. Uh, I'm just going to be quiet learning. now. I'm just going to be quiet. <laughs> Just knowledge. You just don't like knowledge. Not, yeah. Not a fan. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Tried it, didn't like it. <laughs> I mean, who needs to really learn history anyway? Right. It's done. Yeah. Just leave, let the past be in the past. Is that what you say We're when gonna... you talk about the Old Testament? Yeah. <laughs> it's over. Why, why bring it up? The whole point oh, of this was to uh, was to get a recording of you saying "Who needs history?" and then sabotage your history podcast. Oh, yeah. Right, sabotage. that was the whole purpose of this was to throw you under the bus and yep. show you don't you value the to, Old you Testament. You guys are trying to swoop in and get a spot on the Untold Podcast, aren't you? <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Oh man. Yeah. So this week I was uh, I was looking at a an article that came out and specifically wanted to get Shelby back on because it stirs up a conversation that we've had many, many uh, times before. It's in the um, Pew Research. It's like a big, you know, nationally funded research thing. And basically continues to chronicle uh, the decline of the Christian religion in America and kind of the specific um, fact or uh, statistic that they highlighted was that in the next like 10 to 20 years, Christianity is projected to go below 50% of the population uh, in America. And the rise of 
what kind of is taking that space isn't another religion. It's not, you know, Judaism or Islam or, you know, paganism or something else. It's just the nuns. It's the no religious affiliation, you know, any of those kind of things. So I thought it would be fun for all of us to, let's imagine that there's like a fourth uh, podcast guest who is a senior pastor, right? Who is um, trying to make sense of this data and we kind of get all of our opportunity to tell the story of uh, why this happened and and maybe some of how we would uh, want to change it, like what advice we would give to uh, to, to combat this. So uh, I think it could be fun. Like that could be something we could even maybe like share on TikTok afterwards, just like our little like, hey, senior pastor, let me, you know, share my view on yeah. why, why the church is declining. Um, that kind of thing. So you guys game, you want to jump in? Yeah, let's do it. Go ahead, Shelby. Oh, Guess okay. First. Uh, yeah. Um, I would tell a senior pastor sh- struggling with this. I mean, we've seen this in Europe. We're like 15 years behind them. So we're seeing the same trends it's slower here, but same trends. I think it comes down to uh, asking leadership in church. What is the main thing? What are you leveraging as the main thing to be a Jesus follower. Um, We have put so many things as the main thing to be a Jesus follower. And when you start to pull those out, it's like a house of cards, faith just comes collapsing down. So um, that could be theology. What is the main thing in theology to be a Jesus follower? It could be tradition, Um, you know, and I think what we're seeing is uh, a, a, group of people that are now struggling with identifying exactly what does it mean to be a Jesus follower? You know, do I have to, uh, take on, do I have to believe, do I have to believe that, uh, Jonah lived in a big fish to be a Jesus follower? Do I have to believe in the uh, young earth theory to be a Jesus follower and on and on and on. And, you know, Pastors, you got to wrestle with it. Is that the main thing? I, I remember one time I had a, a youth p- parent come to me when I was a youth pastor. And I was like, hey, we need to be teaching uh, young earth. I'm like, I'm not doing that because uh, that's not the main thing. I, I, The main thing to me is Jesus is who he says he is, and he, and he is alive. That's where you put your pillar. That's where you hang your hat of faith. And I think that if we kind of refocus in on that and let all the other stuff kind of uh, fall. Let, let the Holy Spirit speak through them on the other stuff. Um, or I think that's where you'll see a lot more of a stable faith in the long term. Yeah, that's good. I think the problem with that, though, is like people feel like if you're not focusing on one part of the Bible or something, like that it's frail and it's going to break and like we can't question anything. And like I say all the time, like Jesus is going to fall off his throne in the sky and come down here and everything's going to end. Like there's this worry of frailty. Um, yeah, I would I would argue back. I would say, look, uh, let's look at where the fastest growing church in the world is. If we're declining rapidly, the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. You know, it's being run underground. I think you see when the church is being persecuted, that's when it starts to flourish the most. You saw that in the early church history. In yeah. the early church, they didn't have the Bible as we know it, right? Their pillar of faith was the fact that they saw Jesus do these things, say these things, die and come back to life. And that's where our pillar of faith needs to be. 
That way, if yeah. someone comes in and says, hey, I don't, I'm not sure about evolution. I'm not sure about creation. I'm not sure about um, where I should supposed to stand on gay marriage. I'm not sure about any of this stuff. We could say, look, we trust the Holy Spirit's going to guide you in this, but let's really focus in on what it means to be a, a Jesus follower. And that is, Jesus is who he says he is. He died and was resurrected and what that means for our life today. Yeah. That's because good. then the, the question on the other back end of that is, okay, if that's true, if I'm going to believe that, and that's what the foundation of my faith is, is there relevance for my life today? Yes. And that's a, that, that's a different question altogether. Yeah, that's good. Do you want to go, Katie? You want me to? Oh, sure. It doesn't matter. I can. I feel like um, we're seeing, well, I know there's a decline in a plateau. I just did a ton of research for a grant that I'm writing for the gathering people. And it said six out of 10 churches have either plateaued or are declining. And so we're not seeing any really growth um, in the majority. Mm-hmm. And so that that's a huge problem. And I think that is because people are looking at the church and they're looking at what our mouths are saying, but our actions are not lining up with that. Like we're saying we're this place of hope and love that is unconditional, but yet we're saying, oh, if you do this, then no, you know, you're not a Christian. You're not welcome here. And so our actions and our mouths are not aligning. And um, we have a whole world like watching us and waiting for what we're saying to be true. And instead we're like dying on hills, hills that aren't, you know, like Shelby said, the hills that we should be dying on. Um, and it's just become like, it, it's morphed into something that was once all about Jesus and the crucifixion and him being alive. And now it's this political movement, it feels like in a way, like propaganda it, to be leveraged um, for us to be right. And right. so it just, it, it's because the church doesn't look like the church to me anymore. That's, that's would be my answer. Hmm. Yeah. If I was going to, if I was sitting down, you know, across from a pastor and was trying to help them make sense of everything, I, I feel like that so much of what governs pastors today is a fear of the future instead of an engagement with the present and with the mm-hmm. now. Like, mm-hmm. I think so much of Christianity has been about like answering these problems about life after death. Um, you know, what's going to happen in the future? When's Jesus going to return? Those kind of things. And it's gotten lost. Shelby, you said um, relevance for my daily life. Like, right rooted in my everyday lived experience. The fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. Why? Because they need the hope and the power and the sustenance that Jesus and his spirit provides on a day-to-day basis, mm. right? Like it's, it provides this sense of engagement and informs my everyday life. And our faith in the West has lost that. Yeah. Right? Like all these big 100%. questions about like, what am I doing? What's my purpose? Um, you know, the, you mentioned several times, like, is Jesus, is, uh, is Jesus alive? I think that's absolutely the central question is like, is this a living faith? Is this something that comes alive in my everyday experiences? Or is it only something that like wakes up and comes to life at, you know, in a service at a certain specific place? Mm. And I, I just feel like the church is bought into that model. They're bought into, you know, the heavens open, the life comes when you walk in the door, when the preacher preaches, when the choir sings, you know, when the sacraments are put out, but like, and then they, and then they go back into the closet, right? They like, they, they, they teleport back into heaven, but people want 
this thing that's like alive in them right now. And that's what I think people are missing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll it's never... like there is a, uh, there's an element of, you know, well, think about like the, when G Jesus ascended, right. And the, he says, okay, now go and tell the world all that you've seen, make disciples. Right. And I'll be with you to the end of the end of time. And what do they do? They do the easy thing, the safe thing. Oh man, this was an amazing spot. Let's build a temple here. Here, let's worship. Let's just gaze up in the heavens. And then angel comes. I was like, "What? The, what the hell are you all doing? Go do this thing." I think that the church has reckoned or has fallen into the state of comfort where we don't have to live as if Jesus really is alive. Yeah. So if we say that the the pillars of our faith are twofold, one. Jesus is who he says he is. He, he died and came back to life. And two, that empowers us to, to love others in a way that the world doesn't recognize. I think that when we move into that and it's like, we're going to have obscene amount of love for other people, love that's not, you know, I was, we're being commanded to love, not, you know, how I love or I want to be loved, but how Jesus has loved me. Right. And that's that's something that you don't see in the world anywhere. And so I think when you get back, strip the message down to what the basics are and then get back to this idea of like having almost um, almost controversial type of love for others, then that's where right. the world is like, oh, my gosh, there is something here. Okay. It's almost yeah. love that like it. it I mean, Jesus' type of love pissed the Pharisees off. Yeah. That, right. Yeah. Right. That's the type of love we need. Yeah. Right. And it's, I think it's so important to highlight because, you know, we can forget how controversial Jesus was in his day. Right. Yeah. And it's because he was taking like an existing structure that was fine. That was like, that was helpful. Like the temple, you know, the Torah, like all those things. And he was constantly saying like, those things are good, but they're not the end. Like there's something better that's coming. There's something bigger that's coming. And I feel like that's exactly where the church is stuck today. Like they're stuck yeah. in, you know, hey, these hymns, you know, saved me. These hymns brought me to faith. You know, this church, this, you know, method, like is the thing that, that like brought me to where I am. And you're saying that it's bad because you're, you're uh, advocating for something new. And I think that newness is where, you know, people get stuck because like it has to continue to evolve to address the needs of like a living world, you know, instead of just saying, well, we need to conform the world back to, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago. Like it doesn't work that way. Yeah. I don't right. even know if it's newness. I feel like it's convenience because like, I don't feel like, I feel like a ton of people were raised just like I did. Right. Like you go on Sunday, you sometimes go on Wednesday night and then like you are for sure there on Easter and Christmas. And it's when, Church is when, and Jesus is when, it can fit in a calendar. And you don't need to rely on God any other time. Like, that's that's when you communicate with God. That's that's when you're a Jesus follower, all the things. And then you go home and do your, do your life because we are Americans, busy, and that's how we do our faith, it feels like. Um, but then, like, going overseas and seeing, like, the Jesus that those people worship, like, that was a game changer for me. I was like, I want to know that Jesus. I want to know that Jesus. It's like every second of every hour of every day. Like I want that Jesus. And that's not the Jesus that we rely on here in the Western world. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder like, what, 
I keep trying to think of why that is because I think that, I guess people are so hungry for like transcendental, like, like big, meaningful experiences, mm-hmm. right? Like I've, I've yet to meet the person who, you know, doesn't want to believe that there's some, you know, big meaning behind all this, that there's some like that their actions have, you know, significance. They just doubt that the church of Jesus Christ is where those experiences live. You know, it's like, oh, let's just, what, what am I going to find there? A boring yeah. sermon, you know, some like decent songs, maybe, right. maybe they're weird, you know, maybe they're strange. Like I'm not gonna like connect with. Well, and divine. for me I'm personally, not- like I can, I can agree with that because that's not where I see Jesus. That's not like where I find him now. Like that's where I came to faith. Like there's nothing wrong with a good sermon. That's how I, you know, started my journey in faith, but that's not like in my everyday life now and my, uh, matured spiritual life. Like that's not where I find him. I, I find him out like with the least of these that, I mean, I find him in relationships, sitting across the table, having it, having food with other people. Like I don't find him sitting in in a pew. That's not where I find him. Yeah. I, I remember when I would preach one of the biggest pet peeves I had was when people would come and I get where they're coming from, but they would come and they would say, Hey, Hey Shelby, that was, uh, you know, we're, we're going to go try different churches or whatever. I just, I don't, I don't feel, uh, I don't feel like I'm learning anything here anymore. And yeah, I'm not getting fed. (laughs) Right. And I think about that, that passage is like their ears are being tickled. Right. And so often in the Christian world, it's like, we, we think about that and we preach that as, oh, they're the pastors that are tickling the ears are uh, overlooking sin and they're just doing easy sermons and stuff. But in reality, I think what's happening is the, the, the tickler pastors, the tickler sermons are not challenging people to walk in faith. Like it's like the idea of like, mm-hmm. if you feel stuck in your faith, you know, maybe it's because you're stuck in your seat. Yeah, I would argue too that the tickle, like the feel good, the feelings of like having that emotion inside is so many times uh, misplaced for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. right. Emotional. It's emotional uh, manipulation. Yeah. Like, oh, that, that pastor was fire. He brought he brought like, I'm sure like I'm not saying that is not the case, but we have a hard. I feel like our society does not decipher that in the Holy Spirit very well. Right. It's yeah. we we are in this tension between going deeper in knowledge and going deeper in our faith or or going out of our comfort zone. And we in a, in an experience, a, an actual yes. lived experience, not an idea. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that's where people are like so getting stuck because we are living in the, like we have more capacity now to have these ideal worlds like movies and media. And like those things get us close to this, you know, powerful thing, but we're not in the thing. And I feel like that's the current track is like the churches that are succeeding are just finding better ways to tweak, like have an amazing sermon, have an amazing music, have an amazing experience in a building that's like curated as opposed to find meaningful paths to invite people into transformative experiences in their real life. And that's work. See, that's even, hard. even when you said, even when you said transformative experiences, 
the message that falls short is transformative experiences by attending us on Sunday and hearing great environments and seeing a great, being part of a great environment. And I think back, Jesus said, look, the way the world's going to know that you're my disciples is by how you love one another. Yeah. It's not by the style of your church. It's not by your theology. It's not by how much you know of scripture. It's not by what song style you have. It's by how you love one another. And we have forgotten. We have forgotten that. And it doesn't mean like, oh, we're a loving church. Anyone is welcome here. I'm not, that's not love. That's easy. Come sit by me. That's easy love. I feel like we do need to do that enough. Yeah. I feel like we do need to preface though, because there are so many things that we are like saying need to be changed. And we're saying that because all three of us like find value in the church. We love the church. And so we want to see the church the best it can be. Like, I don't want people to hear us saying all this and think like, we don't find value in the church or that it's important. Like, yes, like the church is so important. Yes. And I think that that point, it's not the church's leadership. It's not only on them. The pressure Mm -hmm. comes from within. So the congregation, and I I feel for pastors, right? This is why I had to get out of it. The, The pressure for the congregation is don't push me too hard. And the pastors want to do that. They want to push, but it's just, it's the system makes it really difficult to do that. I mean, I've talked to pastors so many times, like, yeah, I want to say that to the congregation. It's just not the time or I'm doing Mm -hmm. it slowly. Yeah. And Jesus didn't do that slowly. Mm -mm. He had three years to do it. And you know what? They hated him and he still did it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why I think this, that article is so important because it's helping show some of these trends it's like whether we want it to happen or not something is happening Mm -hmm. like this this like tree this you know organic thing like it maybe it's not dying but it's diminishing right and i think that you know jesus so many times says that whole thing about you know you have to put new wine and new wine skins right like things have to change and I, i guess as i reflect on my time you know in church leadership I think it really does go back to this issue of control. It's like, I think that's the most powerful thing about, you know, the Jesus's church is like, it is, it tends towards empowerment. It tends towards like putting the, you know, the, the holy fire, like in people's hands, not behind locked doors, you know, behind magic curtains that only priests, you know, special priests get to go back behind. And that's scary. You know, it's, it's scary to like live in that unknown, but I just, I love one of our values, you know, is, is, uh, you know, be a pioneer. And I think that that's so still foundational to what the Jesus movement is. It's about like, you know, finding out, feeling this call of love to be like, man, go outside of the boundaries, go reach people that are not being reached, go love people that are not being loved, go, you know, do something that's not being done in the name of love. Like, I just think that's the thing that all those people that aren't going to church, I think that's what they're looking for. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and there's, there's, it's the, it, the, the pastors are served well when they get in a position of, I'm going to empower the congregation to not need me anymore. Yeah. And that's just not the posture. No. And it's, it, it, it's not, again, it's not, it's the system. It's the system we grew up in. It's the system that has led us here. Um, but it, it's going to take some 
really hard conversations that are, it seems like are going to be forced upon the church to wrestle. Yeah. Because I mean, if you're a pastor and you hear, um, okay, I'm supposed to prepare these people and send them out. Well, if you're sending them out, they're not in their pews and they're not tithing. And that means you are working yourself out of a job, which should be the goal. But yeah. are we willing to do that? Are we willing, hmm. you know, I, I don't know. Like I've been a paid pastor before. And so I don't know if I would, you know, it's hard. Like, are we willing to yeah, come yeah. to the table and have these conversations? Well, I think the, the, the underlying, you know, idea is Jesus's leadership of saying, it's better for you that I go mm -hmm. away. Yep. It's, it's, yep. it's actually better. Like I'm this way of doing things where like I'm here and you just learn from me. Like it's, it's still really honestly hard for me to get my mind to the point of like, wait, you're saying that that's not better. I've, yeah. I've done this thought experiment. If you got physical evidence that you thought Jesus Christ was like in the flesh somewhere in the world, would you not be extremely tempted to like leave whatever you're doing and go right. and just be like, I'm just, I'm going to hang out with him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, that would make more sense to me. But he was like, that's, that's not as good as what you have mm -hmm. currently right now. Mm -hmm. That, that still blows my mind, yeah. Yeah. you know, cause he's like, the challenge is when you build it around me physically, that inherently also limits it. it cause I, Jesus can only be in one place at one time. You know, it's like, Hey Jesus, let's build some, you know, we got to build a big auditorium so everybody could just come hear you speak. And he's like, but I can only speak in one language at a time. I can only be in one place at a time. I can only, there's only, there's physical Well, and that goes back to, to the argument I've said on this podcast multiple times. We are so invested in our relationship of God, the father and God, the son, but we forget about the Holy spirit. Like when he said he's filling us all with the same Holy spirit, he meant it. And we all are equal and we can do what he did and abundantly more. He said, so do we believe his words or are we white knuckling? what's comfortable. I think there, there's a point in Jesus's ministry where it says that he discerned that they wanted to make him king. Okay. And when he discerned that he withdrew from that, hmm. the church hmm. wants to be the priority of people's lives, but it's the system of the church. It's the, yeah. it's like they want to have kingship of their yeah. life come here on right. Sunday. come you know come uh do the wednesday night dinner and there's all this like pressure to like we need to be a top priority or life in fact pastors are chasing how do we compete with wednesday night sports and back in my day right. they didn't have wednesday night sports i was reserved for youth right. group and, stuff. and so there's this fight between trying the church as a system is trying to become the king yeah. jesus himself walked away from yeah. that Right. What he did is he went and met people one-on-one -on -one and outrageously loved them to the point that people wanted to kill yeah. him. I mean, my favorite one is he walks into the, he walks in uh, to the temple and he, he heals the man with a withered hand. He leaves and everyone's grumbling against him and, and they plotted to kill him right there yeah. because he was, he was not elevating right. the institution. He was elevating this idea of love. And then ultimately to your point, Jesse and Katie, to leave, we're all getting this new thing, Holy Spirit inside of us. That should be the number one priority. We have a king. We have a high priority. It's the Holy Spirit. And that is relevant for us today. So if pastors were in a, hmm. a posture of like, 
hey, I want to help you figure out what the Holy Spirit is guiding you to and how to love like God, like Jesus loved us, then I'm going to empower you and train you and I want to encourage you and we become in a position of encouragers for them to go love. That is a different whole system altogether. But to your point, Katie, that doesn't pay the bills. Right. And that's what, I mean, when you were talking about Wednesday night sports and everything, I can think so clearly of, um, I think of Billy Moore and Brian Franklin and their baseball team and they travel. And so they weren't at church a lot on Sundays. They weren't at, you know, if we did something on Wednesday night, like they were always not there, but like I got to go to a practice one time and see them and see Brian and Billy praying over these boys and showing them Jesus in a way they would never see sitting inside a church doing an Awanas program. I'm, I'm sorry. Like I'm not, this is real life stuff. It's real life. And right. I think it's, it's stripping it down and asking the question, can a person be a Jesus follower if, and fill that blank in. This is a great exercise for pastors around the world. Can a, can a person be a Jesus follower if, if they don't come Wednesday night, if they don't come Sunday, if they don't do this Bible study, if they read their Bible once a year, if they never read their Bible, can a person be just Jesus follower if they never read their yeah. Bible? I think you strip it all down and you get to one point, actually two, can a person be a Jesus follower if you don't believe that Jesus was resurrected? Probably not. And the second one is, can you be a Jesus follower and not love other people like Jesus? Well, you can say it. I just don't know if you believe that the love is really pierced your yeah. life, you know? So I think that's the two spots well, you strip down. And, and, and so maybe the unity of those two things is, can you be a Jesus follower without the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And the answer is no. Right. right the answer is no, because like the Holy Spirit's going to do those yeah. two things. Yep. It's going to, number one, like lead you into love. Like that's what, that's like the number one, like the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, but it's going to define that and connect that to the the action of love of Jesus giving his life on the cross. And I, like I was thinking about this the other day, because y'all know I've said it enough times, like one of my favorite verses is like, dear children, let us not love with words or in speech, but in actions yeah. and in truth. And it's like, I think we can forget that that's what the resurrect what the crucifixion and the resurrection was was jesus like perfectly demonstrating what love looks like so there's no there's no more like confusion about what it is and and that's why like those two like you said shelby those two pieces come together like you can't i don't believe that you can really effectively love people without that vision of the crucifixion right. and the resurrection yeah i think that that's what I think that's just what it did. It was like everything else was, I think people could get close. Like maybe that's like yep. 97%, 98%. But, but like Jesus's passion, like demonstrates the path. Yep. Willingly, voluntarily going to the grave, being like, nobody's forcing me to do this. I don't get anything out of this. I'm purely motivated by love. And what does that produce? It produces resurrection. Mm -hmm. And like, that's just the, the unity of those things. And I still find it so crazy, like in our conversation, right, that we don't spend more time and energy, you know, really asking that question to believers, like, what is the Holy Spirit? How do you follow it? How do you listen to him? You know, wh what's he saying to you? Um, where's that going? How do we unify that together? Yeah. <laughs> we just spend a lot of our time singing songs and, you know, listening to some guy. Okay, so I have something guy. really controversial oh. to say. 
with with all these statistics with seeing the church in decline i still see jesus growing more than i ever have before and i Hmm. am okay with those statistics like i'm okay with that Hmm. because i feel like covid did put a magnifying glass on people's faith like and made them look and answer that question that i asked myself like why don't I believe in this Jesus like these people do? I feel like it put a magnifying glass on that question. And I am seeing through social media, through conversations with my friends, um, through conversations with people just like in the doctor's office, whatever, like if I hear them talking about faith, like it, people are, people are asking this question and they're seeing, they're starting to see what we're talking about, that Jesus is not confined to a building. And so while people may be turning away from the church, I don't feel like they're turning away from Jesus. I don't know yeah. if that's too controversial. I think that the it, it'll be hard for the American church to swallow mm-hmm. that pill. Um, and I think it comes to the second part of what this article talks about is deconstruction. I mean, it's a lot of people deconstructing the faith that they were handed as they yeah. grew up. And um, I think that there, I, I personally think deconstructing faith is a good thing because you're, you're putting it through the ringer um, and you're testing it out and you're going to come out with a stronger faith yeah. on the back end or, or a truer yeah. faith. And it makes me you know, so upset faith. when I hear people all the time, like you scroll through TikTok and you see pastors talking about deconstruction that don't agree with it. And they're like, oh, this is just some sexy thing. This is just some woke thing. But no, I specifically remember 2010, pregnant with Bowman, sitting in the bed, reading books and reading the Bible like for myself and being like, what the crap? Like, this does not line up with what I've been hearing on stage. Like, and so this isn't a brand new thing. It's, I think, like I said, COVID has just put a magnifying glass on things because people are actually researching and seeing who Jesus is with their own eyes. Yeah. Mm, and we've done such yeah. a bad job at helping the Jesus followers really understand. You you grew up in church, Katie. We've done a bad job of helping the people that grew up in church truly understand mm-hmm. the gospel. And so what happens is people are on the back end and they are Googling, is it okay? Does, is, does God mad at me if I blank? And it's it's a uh, uh, then they can't share the God they can't share the real Jesus with anyone all they can say is come to my church my pastor's pretty yeah. funny because I mean my and takeaway was it's, just it's, like be good do good stay in a straight line don't make any mistakes and if you do well then you must not love Jesus yeah I think uh, I, I, one of my favorite scriptures is Jesus's whole like I, you know I'm I'm the cornerstone I'm the I'm the, I'm the foundation stone that like can't be removed. You know, it can't be pulled up, um, can't be broken, you know, and that's, that's why I think deconstruction's always, um, it's a positive thing because I just believe that the more that people drill down and you, you do have to drill down in good mm-hmm. faith. Yeah. You know, there's some people that just like to tear stuff down. You know, there's some people that just like, I just, yeah. you know, I just want to see the world burn, you know, but I think if you really are, a person of good faith that says, I want to understand 
how the world works. I want to understand like how to live a life that's mm-hmm. meaningful, that makes sense. I think that's always going to take you to Jesus, not to Christianity necessarily, yeah. right? Christianity being the, the religion that we've created, yeah. you know, in, in Jesus's name, right? Like Jesus didn't come to make, to create Christianity. Jesus came to demonstrate what loving action looked like mm-hmm. by dying on the cross mm-hmm. and raising from the dead. It, it's right? almost like, like we, we, we yeah, built all the other stuff on top of that. Right. It's a, oh. Where he goes to um, heal the guy on the mat. And he's like looking around, like there's the Pharisees in there. Like he's looking at the, the water, all these other options. And Jesus is like, no, look at me. Look at me. You don't need any of this. Look at me. Mm. That's all we need. Mm. It's almost like deconstruction has been given a negative name. Deconstruction yeah. something is something negative where it should probably be called owning your own faith. We, mm. That's what's missing. We have a generation that doesn't own their own right. faith. It's, I'm going to go Sunday, give me my faith. I'm going to walk out. uh, Okay, check that box, you know, and we we need a generation that's going to be serious about owning their own faith. And that's, it's hard to do. It's complicated. I promise you, if you go down that path, you're going to say, wait a second, this is not what my church says. And so that must not be what the Bible says, right? Right. Yes. And it is a challenge and you're going to feel alone. That's scary. But on the other side, you're going to see Jesus. Well, and I'll, I'll, I think this is, I'll get direct with, because I think it's not just the pastors. I think the people who are so responsible are like the generation of elders of like, you know, the kind of the gatekeepers. Yeah. Because so, so much of an inability for somebody to own their own faith is the current owners of that faith and tradition not being willing to let go and, and, and doing the like, yeah. not on my watch. You know, this will not change. I'm committed to, gosh, we could tell right. endless stories about people who, you know, get attached to these traditions and, and they're just, yeah. you know, they're meaningless, yeah. you know, and they're not, they're not Jesus. And so then another generation comes up and they're trying to authentically go, yeah, this doesn't, that, that doesn't fit. Like, can we try it this way? How dare you, you know, sing those type of songs, you know, think those kind of thoughts like. There's no place for that in here. And they go, okay, well, I guess this isn't for me. You know, I guess this whole Jesus thing isn't for me. And like the pastors and the, you know, those are usually people that financially support the church the most. And so that's that relationship with the pastors that they both feel like kind of controlled by each other. They don't want to, you know, the people don't want to offend the pastor by stepping out of line. The pastor doesn't want to offend the people by, you know, going too far. And they governed by fear. And the next generation's like, I'm right. Yeah. Fear of losing money. Right. And the next generation's like, I'm out. I'll go find I'll go find my own. And I get it. You know, I mean, I'm gonna give them some some love here and grace. I get it. Some benefit of yeah, the doubt. Benefit of that. I mean, in their minds, they're yeah, protecting for sure. something that is the right thing, right? Like I just did a sermon right. today on Saul Saul's conversion. In Saul's mind, he he was so adamant he was right. Right. The only thing I would just challenge everyone listening, whether you're a pastor or, you know, just a listener, my mother-in-law, I just challenge everyone. Like the thing that cut through Saul's belief system is humility. When, when Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Can you imagine the humility that hit over him at that moment? And 
it's it's humility ultimately it's humility to own your own faith to say to put aside the tenets that you believe and are and you're constantly willing to run it through the ringer not just say because yeah. i said so or because this is how we've, all, yeah. we've always done it but to really run it through the ringer well and yeah, that, that goes that, back, it's, it back is to a jesse's point task. of fear and and the frailty that i started with like if we don't know the answer to this yeah. and it's not just because the bible says so then people start to squirm you know uh, so do you want to hear a good example of this in, uh, yeah. in, in, in practice, right? So I'm reading a book right now um, that is feels quasi-heretical. It's about uh, people's like psychedelic experiences. And the thing that really like, you know, blew me away is so many people have, you know, connected with some substance like a plant or something like that. And in that, what they experienced was a connection to something so much bigger than them that they is, is like always there. And so many people describe it as like pure love, just a, and not an idea, like a tangible experience, right? Like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden, all these things that became like ideas and concepts, like I touched. And <laughs> I just think it's so funny because Immediately, I'm sure there's like 99% of, you know, believers or people that are like, my back goes up of, well, that's, you know, that, that's bad. Like, that's dangerous. That's scary. And I'm not here to say that it's good. But gosh, to listen to some of these people go, I became aware that I'm not, and, and some of these people identify as atheists, right? Hmm. I became aware that I'm not, that death is not the end for me, that I'm a eternal soul that will last beyond, you know, this mortal life and that the nature of, you know, God, whatever, everything else is pure, complete love, compassion, you know, goodness and truth. It's like, okay, if I knew a way to help people experience that, would I want them to? Yes. But if you immediately go, but my religion... Or the way that I, my box like says, well, that not, that might not be a good thing because a book says that it's wrong or something right. like that. I, I just feel like there's a massive like disconnect in that. And that most, especially young people today would probably feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the, the key to that is, is that they're probably not sitting in a seat, listening to someone else speak over them. They're in action doing something, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the the thing was was they they had that experience outside of a church, outside of a religion, you know, outside of of any of those things. And I guess that's that. My only point in sharing that was like, what are we committed to? Are we committed to like the forms and the things that have worked in the past that connected people to the Holy Spirit, or are we committed to whatever it is that helps people see? the truth of God's love, his beauty, his goodness, and that they are more than just a living body, that they are like made in that image and that death isn't the end of everything. And so I'm, I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, whatever that looks like, I, I want to explore it. You know, 
whatever that looks like. I don't want to, I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, I was afraid to, you know, read a different, read a, read a different perspective to, you know, have a different experience because I just thought it might be bad when I see good fruit coming out of those things. And if you're, if you're sitting here listening to this and you are feeling uh, awkward in your seat or you've already clicked off, I'm going to say, I'm going to say as bluntly as I can, because I'm not a pastor anymore. You're the issue. We've got <laughs> to, we've got to figure out how to approach each other in grace and love and be curious and explore. I mean, it, th- that's where it's at. I mean, I think that's the young people are looking at the church in America and saying they're, they're rigid, they're black and white. There's no gray area. And I don't find a place there. Yeah. yeah. And that's not the yeah, message of Jesus. Furthest thing, yeah, furthest thing from the church. Yeah. Yeah. So all that is to say, man, I, I love y'all. I've, you guys have been, you know, both huge uh, helpers in, in my journey. And um, I'm excited to, you know, pioneer some of this stuff with you guys. Who knows? Maybe people listen to this and go, they're crazy. This is the last time I'll ever, <laughs> you know, we're, we're used fall to along that. with them. Yeah, yeah, I guess we are. We are used to that. But um, yeah, man, thanks for coming along with us, you know, Shelby and I think we'll continue to just do these little updates now and again, because this is, it's just an ongoing conversation that's not going to get solved um, in one talk, but we have to keep coming back to this willingness to go like we, you know, love is compelling us forward into something yep. new yeah. and we got to follow that. Amen. Yeah. And pastors, if I'm sitting across from you right now, you want to fix the issue, partner with gathering people. <laughs> Amen. There you go. Amen. There we go. There we go. See All right, Shelbs, thanks for thanks for hanging out, man. All right. Yep. Bye guys. See ya.